Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. We are on with a dermatology dream team today. Dr. Moon and Dr. Rosen are advanced leaders in the field of medical aesthetics, from injectables to laser technology. They have taught thousands of other doctors how to improve their techniques. They've actually fixed thousands of botched jobs, and they happen to be founding members of the Aesthetic Medical Network. Basically, they're at the top of their field, and we cannot wait to talk. We're going beyond Botox here. Docs, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having us. You might not think so at the end of it, but thank you for the moment. (laughs) Uh, We're we're happy to have you both, for sure. So we aren't just talking Botox, but it is probably the best place to start. So can you just fill everyone in? Like, what is Botox? How soon is it to get Botox? Um, And who's a good candidate for it? Sure. Sure. So when it comes to Botox, Botox is something that helps to relax your muscles. And people often get quite concerned about the onset of some of what we call those dynamic lines, the lines between your brows, the lines in your forehead, around your eyes. Those are uh, things that are are based on the quality of your skin, but also the repetitive movements that are happening over time. So Botox is something that can help relax the muscles that make those lines. And we like to sort of call Botox the great preventer. So you, your second question, I think, was uh, related to how soon to start. And I think that that's a great question. And the reality is that starting before any of those lines are actually etched in or ingrained makes the most sense. Because, again, like in medicine, we're always trying to prevent. The ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. So the sooner you start, the less likely you're going to end up developing those lines. And Something that we're seeing in our offices are, are that millennials actually seem to get it. You know, in the early days when Botox first came out, because it's a medication that's been around for a long time, uh, people went just to stop certain lines, you know, stop these 11s, stop, you know, open my eyes a little bit. And the craft and the field and the science has advanced so much. It's much more than, you know, treating a line here. Yeah, absolutely. The lines improve with what you do, but that's not the target. The target is a global improvement in space, a very uh, exceptional natural appearance to how your face is designed to move. And I think that's what sometimes people don't understand is that what one does in, in, in you, it's not the same thing that happens in your friend or your family member even, because everybody's face is different and every muscle that we're targeting is so different. And then that parlays into a discussion about sort of, you know, where do you treat someone? How do you treat someone? And, and, and what age do you treat someone? And to Nathan's point, you know, we are seeing millennials, we're seeing a younger age group, we're seeing sort of what we call more mature, like, you know, my age, more mature people who are coming in to, to get treatment. So there's a whole variety of age groups uh, that are doing it. But 
wherever and whenever you can prevent and restore natural movement is always the target. But it takes a, a fair amount of expertise to do that. So it's, we think of it because of TV shows, you know, and, and people we see on, on, I don't know, like magazines, et cetera, that it's just a simple XXX injection. And it's, it's actually probably the farthest things from the truth. And the face is very forgiving. So lots of people can come out looking okay. <laughs> I love that you just said that. Can we talk about the surprise look? Like, yeah. why does that happen? And, and that's like, I mean, that's got to be everybody's worst nightmare, right? Yeah. So everything is, everything is action and reaction. And the issue is that all of our muscles are working together and things are balanced. So what we focus on uh, probably primarily is brow position when we're looking at someone who's coming to us and is interested in Botox because the brow position is really going to be the most important thing that prevents that surprise look and also gives a natural, more, um, you know, sort of more beautiful, more awake kind of, uh, but soft look. And you have to be able to look and assess a patient properly to see how strong they are in certain, in certain areas. So we often will have, you know, a patient who kind of, they want to bust those lines. They want to get rid of the lines in the forehead, right? But the reality, though, is that the brow already sits a little bit low. And the only thing that's going to lift that brow are the same muscles that are making those lines. And so you have to understand before you're starting that it's going to be very difficult to find a balance, a, a nice natural balance that still provides a beautiful aesthetic brow, but that also can soften some of the lines. And sometimes, it's, it's really not possible to do both things. Uh, people don't necessarily always realize that like, you know, we can't, we can't have it all. Anatomy is individual and for sure. And I think that this is kind of um, some of the problems is that it's a very in, going kind of bigger than Botox. We're in a very interesting industry where there's like um, a dramatic spectrum of expertise that are, are applying these treatments. And a paint-by-numbers approach is going to be okay for sort of the mid-portion of mid, mid portion of that bell curve, right? But if you're anywhere to the right or the left of that mid midline, that little paint-by-numbers is not going to work. And you're going to start seeing some weird things. What's also weird is that sometimes people come in and they don't even see it in themselves, so there's, you know, the aesthetic eye of the person who's in, injecting you. And there's also the aesthetic eye of, of the patient. Uh, you know, we have, we have lots of experience where people also seem to rely on others' feedback. And something I think that we've noticed is that women are often not honest with each other face, face to face. <laughs> Everyone is like, oh, you look great. And they don't. You look you know, great like and I hate you. Yes. There's something a little weird, weird yeah. going on. They'll tell their other friend. Oh, did you see, did you see, you know, but, but like to their face, it's like, oh, they look great, you know, and people are, so that's why like for us, we actually, um, you know, we have, we, we have people who uh, we hire out there in the public to like specifically compliment our patients <laughs> on the treatments that they've had. <laughs> Just to give them like the positive reinforcement they, they and then they feel you, so good. Yeah, they follow you to LCBO. That was a setup this week. <laughs> oh, you get, that's you get why. We set that up. It's like the Truman Show. Yeah. Oh, my that's God. That's why. Oh, well, that, yeah. Well, you don't say women sometimes don't tell the truth to other women. There an you observation, go. An observation. An yeah. observation. I don't know. I don't. 
I mean, I'd say we could say that's pretty factual. Um, (laughs) We're we're generalizing a little bit because, you know, I walk in every day and Nathan tells me how bad I look. So, so so the person who is doing this, like professionals like yourselves, it matters is, is the underlying, you know, part of that, right? Like it, it really does matter. And I know you take such, like your approach is incredibly natural. I feel like anyone who comes out of there looks like them just a better version of themselves. So it's, uh, I guess the other thing is then with the surprise look, are there any other, um, you know, things that people should be worried about with Botox? Because I feel like it get, has some people who are, you know, very preventative Botox all for, and then some people who are so nervous about it for maybe those reasons. Yeah, I mean, definitely some of it comes to what Nathan says about sort of brow position and aesthetics of the face. But you have to look at the, I mean, as a starting point, you have to look at the person's whole face. Because you can imagine if someone's only getting Botox in their upper face, wonderfully smooth forehead, perfectly shaped brows. And then we go and, and our eyes span downwards and we now look at the cheeks, the sagginess, the lines. Part of making someone look, and we really try our, our best to make people look genetically blessed. And it's kind of the best way to look at that. Holy smokes, you know, mom and dad gave you great genes or, you know, your ginkgo biloba diet's doing amazing. Like that kind of, where people look at you and say- I have this great cream. Yeah, or, or my hair, whatever whatever that is. It's we, olive oil. Yeah, we want people to, to, to look at someone and say, well, you know, that, that, that person has such a great healthy lifestyle. But so much of that's balanced. I mean, you imagine this looking unusual, upper face looking unusual and the lower face looking, you know, different and altered, right? So again, part is the balance point. Uh, some of the side effects you talk about, or there's that, uh, who's an influencer who had tremendously bad side effects yeah. uh, in the States? Yeah, there's one that went viral where the where she had one of the side effects that is possible, but super, super uncommon, certainly in our, our clinic, very uncommon. And most people who get it, are set up for it. And, and it's another thing that someone who's expert would actually even know before you start. Um, but the eyelid got a little bit droopy. And the other thing that you that can happen is like we were saying earlier, action reaction, the other muscles that are not affected sometimes work harder. Okay. And that's also part of the surprise look, right? It's like you're treating certain parts of the forehead and not other parts of the forehead. So if you are weakening the middle part of the forehead, the lateral part of the forehead is going to try to do the work that the middle part was doing and its own work. So bing, those, those brows kind of pop up. And, and I'm doing sound effects. Comes with sound effects. Sound effects because this is, we understand, we understand that this is just a podcast. So you're only going to hear sound. It's unfortunate we're both having good hair days that none of you can see this, but. I, I commented okay. that my hair was very vertical today. So it was perfect for a, of viewing, of viewing, but such is life. The bing is good. We'll add that the in. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well, the jack o' lantern look, right? You, know, you do <laughs> like that's a hundred percent. I know exactly what you're describing, yeah. and I think our listeners are going to know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so let's talk now about filler, and mm-hmm. and like, what do people mm-hmm. need to know about filler, which feels like the next frontier? Like, people don't they typically start with Botox and then gradually progress into filler? Yeah, often they do. And I I think like also some of these things um, are probably related to to um, to trust and safety thresholds. So, you know, it's 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 very hard to get into very long term trouble when you're when you're having a bad experience with Botox. And as we step into filler, 
again, there are extremely rare but very serious potential adverse events that can happen there. Uh, there's reports of people going blind there are and permanently blind. People having a stroke. There's areas where there are instances where there's no circulation to areas of the skin. The skin starts to break down. You create uh, wounds and scarring and scar tissue. So you know you're up. You're kind of upping the the ante there a, a little bit more. And so I, I uh, understandably there's a little bit more trepidation for people who are getting into this. But people sometimes don't even hear about these things when they're going in and getting a treatment, which is which is unfortunate as well. But what we what we've understood as as the science of aging has improved dramatically is that the the best approach is a holistic approach and we're talking about kind of one thing at a time here and that makes sense but the reality is that you need to really understand the 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 individual who's in front of you talking as as you know a, a practitioner who's, who's doing this and really understanding which are the elements that you're seeing that are reaching kind of tipping points that need to be addressed where you need to step in to be able to prevent. So like we take the most pride out of the fact that we are completely changing the aging trajectory that people are, are going to have um, appearance wise when they're coming and they're seeing us. And the greatest, the greatest goal is as we age, we all start to feel like the way we feel, the age we feel and the age we look when we're in, in looking in the mirror, it starts to really diverge and it diverges quickly. And our goal is to stop that big, big steep slope and just let them kind of go in sync with each other. And it's awesome when we show people who've been with us for 15 years, their first before picture and their picture when they come in 15 years later, and they're 15 years later and five years younger. It's quite amazing what we can do, but we need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We need all our tools. We, we really do. We need the technology, we need the injectables, and we need the at-home piece that the patient is doing with their own skin skincare. Those are what are going to kind of provide absolutely the, the best results with. And that's another issue that we have in terms of over-treatments, right? Like it's the people who go somewhere where all they have is a hammer, everything's a nail, everything needs to be treated with one modality. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And, and sometimes that hammer is always in the same space too. So you take a look at someone who does filler in the cheek and it's only the cheek because the person treating only knows how to do the cheek. At some point, those actually very early on, those things don't match, right? So one of the side effects, I mean, the, the scary medical side effects, adverse events, so that Nathan's mentioned, but we do, we, we do think that when someone comes out looking dysmorphic, meaning not their natural self, that you really do have to classify that as a type of side effect, that not honoring the patient's face anatomy with either knowledge, skill set assessment means that that person's not coming out the way they're supposed to be coming out. And again, making those trajectories match, looking genetically blessed, taking control of the prevention aspect of, uh, of aging. Those aren't just catchphrases that they require a, a large skill set behind the scenes and really respecting. I think the longer that we've been doing this, I think the more respect we have for the, as opposed to each year, we feel more and more confident each year we're testing the boundaries on our knowledge, every, every, not even each year, 
you know, weekly, monthly. Example, uh, what one of the hot subjects in our in our area, and specifically assessing fillers for location, is is the use of ultrasound. Well, doing an ultrasound is not that easy. We we just brought in Canada's experts, spent the weekend doing it, and still we feel like we're just touching it, and we're going to supplement, supplement, supplement. And I think if you're in this field long enough, you 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 get humbled. I mean, we don't sound humble probably, but we get humbled in. In, in sort of, you know, where we need to take our knowledge base for stuff, right? A hundred percent. And we get, you, you only get better with every patient. And, you know, another thing that we do, we're, we try to, we take a crazy amount of photographs every, every time people come in and, and our patients hate our guts because we have, you know, we make them do all these mug shots every single time. And it's because of the drive that we have to use every single treatment as well, every ex- treatment experience to continue to get better and push ourselves to get better. The only way is to be able to sort of really be self-critical, analyze, you know, your work, where you've come, where you've gone and the details, you know, those details are, are, are so crucial. We digress a lot, as you can tell. But the original subject question was about fillers. Filler. It's what? so oh, good, it's though. Filler. Filler, it's so good. Well, um, I'm just listening to your expertise, though. Like, you must get, have to be honest, like, does it not, at least in my industry, like, I've taken a lot of time to educate myself in the world of pelvic health and whatnot, and it pisses me off, frankly, when people who, you know, don't know what they're talking about go and market themselves to, you know, suspecting women and and essentially give them bad advice does it bother you when you have you know people who go to on groupon and they get like their filler and then they come and they look to get it fixed by you like botched jobs kind of thing i think as human beings where we're, you'll be naturally um alarmed when you see those kind of things our job though is like we can't touch every person and we can't control that kind of stuff so our job is to try to raise raise the industry you'd be like you know, Nathan and I did these dermatology fellows, uh, residencies, and after that, extra fellowship in sort of lasers, cosmetic, reconstructive, and they tie together. And you know, that's thousands and thousands of hours, right? It's not, it's not a weekend course. It's not directly, and, directly supervised. Yeah, directly supervised by other experts, experts who weren't nice to us, and girl, no, let me down. Our people were really great, but under those circumstances, we were guided to, you know, to, to learn and someone who does a, it's hard. I'll tell you someone out there who does a weekend course, you know, what, you know, does that make sense? I don't think they think they don't know. It's, I think it's just the more that they do, they'll probably also go through what we did, which is, you know, become a bit respectful of the you know, other things that we're treating and stuff. Give me an example. Like remember that survey, uh, health candidate, it was compliance survey. They, in 2015, 16, they looked at what was it? 40 clinics and looked at all the fillers. And they were like, at that point in time, there were 265 fillers from 42 different companies. And three of them weren't even legal in Canada because you can actually just, you know, call someone and my friend from Europe can send me stuff, right? Like oh, that, wow. that kind of, wow. so you sit there and say, for the person who's treating it's it's hard for them too like the, you know there's a lot of information and our our field is probably advancing more than any other field in medicine right now like near the top you know um and so it's hard to stay abreast of those kind of things so yeah like when when someone goes online and you know and, and is now the new expert of the jawline yeah and i think that that's that's the other piece right like we we're in a very bizarre time where credentials equals followers on instagram mm. so we're you know like a, a, another example like we're we're kind of we're kind of crappy but working on our uh, on our social media sort of presence but 
um, you know, if we have 3000 followers and, and we have, you know, all of this experience, expertise, knowledge, training, uh, we do tremendous amounts of these procedures day, day in and day out. We dedicate ourselves full time to this. And then you have someone else who is, you know, in, in the same sort of realm and they have 14,000 followers and you watch them and they say something about the metabolism of Botox that's completely incorrect. The person at large, if I say the correct thing, but this other individual says the incorrect thing, well, they're 14,000 followers. I'm 3,000 followers. That's that's sort of the truth. The 14,000 is the truth. So we're in this kind of like, really difficult. And that's actually why we've started to kind of uh, make some efforts on the social media front, because we feel like there has to be a lot of a lot of balance, a lot of more integrity and honesty about what's going on before and afters that are in the same lighting, in the same position yeah. to actually tro- show uh, true results. Those are those are sort of important things. So, uh, you know, it's definitely frustrating. And, and then you know, we founded also a group of kind of like-minded physicians to try to raise the level in Canada, uh, to try to be able to give people resources, you know, of, of more legitimate uh, clinics where, where we feel that they're going to get the, the best treatment. And there's always, there's always one-offs, you know, like there, there can be someone who doesn't have the level of, of training that we have who has, you know, who's really, really bright and who has done lots of training on their own with other people and who has done an incredible amount of, of reading and who has gained expertise and, and, and does things well. But those are certainly exceptions instead of the rule or, or, or the norm. So that, that becomes kind of part of the problem. And the converse is true as well. You can have physicians who dabble in it, don't really spend enough time kind of becoming expert in it as well. And and just because they might have some elevated credentials by being an MD, they also might not be, be someone, I mean, the two of us, there are very few people in this country that we would ever let touch us, you know, when it comes to these kinds of procedures. And, and yeah, like it goes back to Chinese comment, the more, you know, the more afraid you are, right? Like even you can give, you can give, in any aspect of life, like, like giving, giving you even an example of like a dermatology residency, you start residency, you know, nothing, you do your first three months and you see the bread and butter stuff, like so much after three months, you're just like, okay, I got this. You know, I know what this is when you're sitting down for your exam, you know, five years later, you you're shown a picture and you're scared. You're scared because you're like, Oh my God, there's like a thousand things this could be. You know, what, which one, what is it? Cause you just know so much more, you're more cautious and we're, we are incredibly, incredibly respectful of the responsibility that we have. And that's the piece that we worry most about is the, the carefree nature that people are doing actual medical procedures, medical acts on other people. That's, that's kind of a, a concern. Um, you know, we take, we take safety so seriously. We work with an, an assist whose job it is to make sure everything stays completely clean. The patient is comfortable, that things are set up properly. It's another set of eyes to make sure that everything is, you know, is, is done right. And then we see people who are doing this alone and they grab their phone in the middle. 
the procedure or they're touching the cupboard in the middle of the procedure to go to go get something. These are important, safe, simple and important safety aspects. So there it's a it's unfortunate. It's like a, there's a huge like Dr. Pandemic. Rosa, tell us how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a we're not know, very passionate. We can go on for hours on, on that. We don't really actually focus a lot of time on sort of um what people Lots are doing jobs. there. Yeah, well, but the the sad part is the, the people who've gone undergone those, they come to us to be helped or saved, right? So we, we and more and more lately we've been seeing like today there was like four requests, right? Like to um, you know, from phone and online about having had some some pretty bad stuff happen. The scary part for us is when it's an actual medical event. For example, mm-hmm. like a, a blood vessel's injured and then you have that's time there's time constrictions. If you don't know what to do, like if you, if you if you cause an injury and you don't know what to do, that, that kind of doesn't make sense. So that that's sort of where we sit on the on the responsibility piece. I think that's it's a pretty big deal to make sure that you're working hard to stay super credentialed. But I mean, you made a uh, Nikki, you made a question earlier, a comment earlier, like you know, people almost preying on unsuspecting people, right? Yeah. So the consumer out there who's looking, it's it's hard. Like, so what do they do to find someone? Like, that's what? Exactly. How did you were gonna ask that, Lexi? Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you, like, what are the key things for someone to look? Like, thankfully, yes, like, we don't, we can't all go to Dramatics, you know? I drive all the way from Toronto to Burlington all the way. But, like, you know, a distance. Well, we have people from Vancouver. Actually, quite quite a lot of people do. You got Toronto, Vancouver, U.S. But to to your, I mean, finding, I think one of the simple ways would be finding people of like-minded uh, standards. Uh, we, like I said, Nathan, I formed that group. There's a bunch of docs across Canada. It's called AMNI, so Aesthetic Medicine Networking. So A M N I. They have uh, you can find them on Instagram uh, and on the web, and you can find at least some local doctors. Um, some of it's word of mouth. Like if you if you've had friends who've had great results, that can be a starting point, and you can look them up. There are some natural credentials that happen, at least in aesthetic medicine, uh, dermatology, plastic surgery. Get a lot of aesthetic training within part of the core training but to to point, there's lots of people who don't have to have that who are amazing injectors as well so um you know just being conversely just being a dermatologist doesn't also naturally make you good at these things too right so i i think that i think that our bias is trying to find out if the person who is treating you as the ultimate expert is an is an important piece um just because there's maybe like an overhead person who might have credentials, they might actually not know even a lot of what's going on at the level of the non-invasive type of treatments that you do. So again, yes, credentials, credentials, credentials has to be the top. Experience is incredibly important. And people should be able to show you multiple examples of their work Although it's it's challenging in our practice because I think we ask every person for their pictures and maybe we get one out of a hundred who kind of agrees, but nevertheless, you know, like there's a there's a portfolio that we can that we can sort of show so that you see their at least their aesthetic, right? Like mm-hmm. we all see the bad work, but we don't notice the great work because we just don't know that they've had they've had that work, right? Like yeah. and. And um, most of the first probably 25 minutes of any consult we do is, is trying to reassure people that ours is a natural aesthetic, that that's, you know, that, that that's mm-hmm. our goal. And that's also, that's not everyone's goal, you know, and that's, that's okay too. You know, like it, it's, 
things that that the four of us might find a little off-putting, other people might find is awesome. Is, is trout great. mouth. Trout yeah. mouth. Yeah, you and you're finding it? that more and more, right? On social media, people coming in asking to look the like lips. That. Yeah, like yeah. the whole like the it, do you ever refuse <laughs> Nikki's mouth right my now? face? And like, do you ever it's a thing? I remember being in an elevator once downtown in the like one of the fancy hotels, and it was just this woman came down and I just felt like I was like, wow, like this. This was, it was just, I was trying hard, really hard not to be rude, but I was just like, I I was one of those things you couldn't really, it was hard to peel your eyes away. And, and I'm like, this is, it's like a filter on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I guess, I mean, if she thinks she looks great, that's all the power to you, but that it's a bit of dysmorphic, Mm -hmm. dysmorphia, right? And so how do you deal with patients who have that? Like the, no, no, I want them like bigger. I want to look like this. Like, how do you handle that when you don't really want to be the one doing that for that person? Well, some of it, I mean, it goes to the point of respecting the person as a person. So not necessarily believing that we have the same judgment paradigm, right? What, what's beautiful to you may not be beautiful to me. Right. Uh, and vice versa, they need to respect that. But, you know, educating people on what natural aesthetics is, is a big deal to us. So our office has, that. that's our, our, our mantra is about making sure people are educated. So we spend a lot of time on that. And if we still disconnect on that, it's good. It's okay. It just, you probably won't like us as injectors. Like if looking beautifully, genetically blessed with ginkgo biloba diet or whatever I said before, it isn't your thing. Yeah. If it isn't your thing, it's not your thing, but then we're also not the right people for you. Right. At the, at the, at the end of it, but it's a very interesting sociologic thing that's going on where people legitimately believe that a certain way of looking is a natural way now, which is for all four of us, at least to be quite disturbing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lip, the lips, especially like you said, Nikki, it's like, that's becoming more of the, and I think the young, younger ages as well, like more of the norm of what everyone it's like the overlining with the fillers and everything to achieve that lip. So what are the trend? what are other trends that you notice that are up and coming on the inject, like with injectables and what trends, what trends are you seeing? Well, one, one that we hope is going, it, we, we sort of, I guess, see a little bit less and hope is going to kind of go away, especially because when, when people are moving towards surgery to achieve trends, like that, that becomes a little bit concerning for us. Um, there, there's the, the fox eye that's certainly, you know, a, a trend, and fox eye what's that the the snatched kind of eye, eyebrow sort of look the, the <laughs> I look, I look like a, <laughs> I'm I wish everyone could see a, this video demonstrate well, those are laughing in an audible way yeah, yeah. what you're trying to do right now but um <laughs> it's it's uh it's the extensive lifting of the lateral brow to an extent that looks and pulling up yeah, the corner up. the corner of wow. the what's called I'm the googling this campus. yeah yeah i'm googling it and then there's also now um, people who are having their upper lip shortened to try to sort of again. I've lift, heard about lift. that. What? Yeah. yeah that, that's an incision just below the nose, skin cut, muscle pulled up so that the lip itself lifts up and that space between nose and, and lip is shortened. Uh, oh, yeah. the like upturned, it, more trout mouth, but like exactly. intense trout mouth. Then it makes it look yeah. like your lips are like double the size. So yeah, there, there's a there's a fair amount of damage that occurs, we believe, sort of. I mean, you're surgically altering a space, right? So right. at some point in time, 
that, that might come back and literally bite you. There are also those subtle things that change, you know, in terms of sort of trends where, for example, um, women right now are very happy with more chiseled looking jawlines, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, people wanted softer, rounder jawlines. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- those things also kind of change, but change on a, on a much more subtle kind of level. So I would say that that would be, for example, um, one of the trends. But certainly now the trend is also towards um, dewy, glowy skin. Oh, you found it, Nikki. I'm just getting distracted here on my phone being like, oh, my God, Googling before and after Fox Eye. This is like a whole new world. Yeah. You could do an hour discussion on that, right? Right. So skin skin quality is definitely a trend. And, and that's another one that's being sort of, you know, thrown at us from, um, in, in, you know, we see influencers and, and industries really kind of pushing the glowy, dewy skin and skin quality, which isn't, uh, I think, a bad thing. But I'd say that that was, that's one, an emphasis on skin quality that's starting to trend. And I, I actually think that that's a favorable piece because the best thing to uh, help your skin quality is some protection. So hopefully, hopefully it uh, starts to, yeah, it starts to encourage. uh, (laughs) Coming from the girl who did tanning beds and got a basal cell earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah, Brutal. Brutal. You know, and and to your point, I mean, it can hit the young and and unsuspecting like you as well, right? Like uh, the sun exposure, your skin's ability to respond to sun. It reacts either with cancer damage or aging damage, right? Those, those are the two choices and, or both. Yeah. Double whammy. So, yeah. So managing that's an important deal. So although we're using sunscreen to stop aging and prevent it and, and manage it to best of our ability, there's a big plus of trying to you know limit the, the kind of other kind of damage that can occur with that. So you'll see when Nathan referred to holistic is one part of our holistic, you know, no sunscreen, no treatment is basically what we sometimes joke, right? Like yeah. it, it's such an important thing uh, for that. And that actually just brought me back to something that I think would be also helpful for sort of the, the listeners, just in, sort of in terms of understanding holistic care and some of these things that we've talked about before. So we, we can talk about um, the things that are changing in terms of aging. There, there are a couple of main groups of things that are changing. We started with like the dynamic movement-based kind of changes, and we were talking about modulating the muscle function with Botox. Filler is really addressing structure, okay? That's its main use. So we have bony and fat tissue changes that happen in the, in the face inevitably with aging. And some of us, we all have like our, our pros and cons genetically. And so we'll age a little bit differently and in different, in different areas. But the structural support filler is the go-to to kind of re- replace, restore that structural support. Skin quality, however needs technology uh, and it and it needs skincare and it needs prevention. So these are kind of the silos of, of holistic care in, in a nutshell. And when you are using kind of the wrong silo to treat the problem, so if you have, you know, some wrinkles in your cheek and you're using filler to blow up the cheek to the point where you no longer see the wrinkles, you, you've chosen the wrong treatment for the problem. It's like the wrong solution. And you end up only getting to an endpoint where that, that problem disappears with an abnormal result, with a disfigured sort of result. Interesting. Wow. 
That was deep. So that's why you need to also be somewhere where there is that holistic care, right? And you also need to be with people who are not afraid to say, I can't do this for you. Like this, that you will do better with my colleague who can do surgery for you for this problem. I'm not going to be able to achieve your goals Mm -hmm. and I'm going to refer you. Yeah. And, and so that goes towards again, like people, what are they, what should they look for in, in someone? Honesty. (laughs) Honesty. And we have just a couple minutes. So I know we're, you guys got to get to your amazing clients, but we need to know about vampire facials, right? Nikki and red light therapy, cosmetic, cosmetic acupuncture, acupuncture. (laughs) rapid fire, rapid fire, vampire facials, good or bad. What are vampire facials? So it's using the, um, the growth factors that are in your plasma, in your own blood that you're trying to use to help stimulate the, the trigger of your cells in your, in your skin, in your face to create more collagen, more elastic tissue. That's, that's like the game with all sorts of things that we're doing for skin quality. Um, it, and they it work? has advantages. They, they can. It's very, it's very, very person specific, right? You're taking growth factors from blood and asking the cells of the various compartments of the skin to respond to that growth factor. So if you're, those units respond and communicate well with the growth factors, yeah, you'll see something. If you're not good at naturally communicating, and there's lots of different factors that come into play, then, then you might not see lots of results. I mean, they do it orthopedically. Uh, they do it for joints. They do it for injuries. They do it for a lot. And it's kind of the same math. Like we're taking a, a general blast of growth factors and trying to assume that the skin's going to respond. And sometimes it does. It's going to be an it's going to be an area that I think is going to be an area where we're going to see amazing advances moving forward because you can you can actually create the skin growth growth factors and that's much more uh, that would be much more directed to the cell that creates collagen and elastic tissue. So we're kind of we're using like a, an adjuvant kind of scenario. There are skin there's actually skin care that's closer to the human growth factors than the blood ones. So we don't know if necessarily the blood is doing better than applying those kinds of things on, on the skin afterwards. So it's something that's, it's something that's, that's helpful. Um, there's a variability in terms of how much it helps, mm-hmm. but it also adds a lot of expense to the treatment as well. So then it starts to become a bit of a value proposition. The other word for that you'll hear about it, we call it PRP, right? Mm-hmm. Platelet-rich plasma, that refers to the same. Sometimes we use that for hair stimulation, hair growth, same parameters. Some people have success, some people don't. Sometimes we use it for fine lines beneath the eyes, same kind of parameters. Mm-hmm. But more and more, I think, people are aware that that communication is the main issue, right? So you can't really be as predictable with it as, as other things. And what about so red light therapy? therapy? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We're wrapping. I'm like, I want to yeah, ask yeah. more questions, yeah. but we're getting yeah. short on time. Yeah. So, so red, red light really quickly, red light also can have biological function and um, it's, it gets very technical in terms of sort of red light. So without kind of getting into the details, the important pieces with light, and this is with laser lights as well, you, you have your light energy and you have, you have to have a target. Okay. So if you don't have a target, you can apply the, the light till the cows come home and nothing happens. Okay. So the, the biggest utilization for red light that we have in is um, to actually treat uh, precancerous sun damaged skin, but we have to add a chemical that is the target that soaks into the skin and then activates with red light. Okay. The red light, just from red light, like we have on these kind of facial type devices, 
Um, so, you know, for example, we have a hydrofacial. We do not use the red light on it. It's useless. It's like super low power. We use though a laser in combination with the hydrofacial because it has the parameters and the power that actually creates the biologic effect. So that's, I think, the biggest kind of message when you're talking about red light. Yes, but maybe no. It depends on sort of what what you what energy and how the energy is delivered and what are you targeting and do you have the target? It's not as simple as pointing a device at the skin and expecting. If it, if it works, sometimes we're just lucky, right? Like the, the parameters that Nathan's talking about, those targets are in fact in play for that person. But someone like me who has... Uh, you know, maybe less of those targets, uh, you know, maybe it's just something that warms my skin and helps me sleep. You know, I like was it, hoping to just get one right here and just sit in it all day. So that's I, not yeah. do it. Do it. No, just kidding. Rapid fire with us is like 20 minutes. Yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cosmetic acupuncture. Like, is that a, like, is that real? Is that a thing? Does it work? What's the deal? Uh, I've done it. So there, I'm a sucker a, yeah. for it if it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. So I think scientifically, you would say it's maybe more anecdotal. That means person to person versus something that you can prove large scale. Um, part of the acupuncture process is using small micro needles. Uh, and so some of us would argue that some of the visual effects at surface you're, you're seeing in relation to needling the same area repetitively. Uh, some talk about it using to relax muscles. And so, again, if you can target certain relaxation muscles, there's some value. I mean, a neat story is like you know, originally, if you look at acupuncture charts from thousands of years ago, where they put uh, for relaxing mood and uh, depression were sort of the same areas that we treat, you know, the 11s now for for Botox and, and neuromodulators. And and when when you do that, when we go into those treatment areas, there are some, again, anecdotal reports of people just by putting needles in that space look better. People feel better about how they look. Uh, mood has shifted a little bit. It's a soft, it's soft in that science part, but it's definitely documented. So there's, there's stuff with that, whether it tightens skin, whether it rejuvenates, I mean, time will tell, but I think for us, we kind of believe that's the micro needling portion of it, as opposed to breaking, you know, a, a current of energy or affecting a direct muscle or something like that. When, when we make our treatment choices, we have, we, we feel we have to base it on really good science and scientific data. And there's, there's lots of stuff that are out there that um, don't have that data. And it doesn't mean that they work or they don't work. So that's what we tell our patients, you know, um, the, like people ask very frequently uh, taking collagen supplementation for the skin. Well, you know, there again, the data, the data is a little bit biased. It tends to be mainly from the manufacturers. Um, but if it's, you know, if you want to try it and it's doing no harm, like we don't have all the answers in medicine. So I think it's not right to have a closed mind about those things. But then I also say to those patients, probably if you just like get some good bone broth, you're going to do it better and cheaper. So like, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's out there and for us it's critical to to be a little bit more rigorous in terms of what we what we recommend mm, bone broth getting hunger yeah it's lunchtime <laughs> collagen i have collagen it's, daily i'm just you know, the biggest sucker for all of this stuff no no oh, well, here, let, let's throw the question back at you do you, do you like your cosmetic acupuncture I enjoy, you know what? I fall asleep in it and I find it really relaxing. So I do enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I've tried it. I've done it for, I've done acupuncture for like sore muscles. Yeah. 
I've done it for both. And I do, yeah, I find it just, I go for more the relaxed, like the relaxed. I think, I think yeah. lots of people would say that. Yeah. And, well, and that's why, and that's like, so we come up with, we come up with treatments that we believe are, are doing something that might have some of those kind of similar pieces to it. So that that's kind of our, our solution here at, at Dermatics. So we combine different types of treatments into one that, um, complements and enhances each step of the treatment so that we know that there's clinical benefit and people also feel like that sort of relaxation at the same time. For future reference, if we're ever on again and doing rapid fire, limit us we're to one. We're never going to be on again. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. You're crazy? It's one more well, I time. think you might be because like we have so many things we didn't even get so to. So many more like, things we didn't get to. Well, can I share a quick answer. story about you two? So I have a, I had a Pilates client who worked for Allergan and Pharma Sales and she drove all the way from Toronto and she's like, I will not let anyone else touch my face. I'm going just to dramatics. And she worked for the company. Yeah, she must be one of our plants that we refer to. <laughs> Plan succeeded. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both so much. Really appreciate uh, the time. No, we thank you. Us. That was a lot of fun. It's so much fun. And um, we will include everywhere that people can find you in the show notes at Dramatics and your Instagram because you're actually the ones, knowledgeable ones that people can follow and get honest, uh, honesty and real results from, or real, I guess, pictures of results from and all that good stuff like you mentioned. So we appreciate you coming on, educating us in all of these areas. And uh, thanks for taking your time. Uh, oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. We'll Bye. see you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.